Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. this, but in a lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Sounds very much like what he said earlier. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Do you think we'd have heated and traumatic conversations and arguments if we really had that in mind? believe it would lessen it greatly. As Christians, we're called to look out after each other and to be like-minded. As much as it is up to us, we should live at peace with everyone, especially brothers and sisters in Christ who have the same calling. Today, Pastor David takes you to Acts to show you a disagreement between two brothers in Christ, Paul and Barnabas. Paul writes about being at peace with each other throughout the New Testament and tells believers to live in like-mindedness and concern for each other. Does that look like you and the relationships that you have with the people around you? And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 15 as he begins his message, Christians in Conflict. Some of the clearest understandings that we get of how to deal with each other when there's conflict that we find within the New Testament actually comes from the pen of the Apostle Paul. I think he was a man that was very acquainted with conflict, a man who experienced on how to do it right, and I think a guy that was experienced on how to do it wrong also. We've spoken about it quite often, about the words of Jesus, about how important it is to love one another. The words of Paul also add to that. Now, we're going to be looking at a a lot of other scripture passages today. You may or may not have time to flip to them all, but if you take notes, just write these addresses down, and hopefully it'll help you in this area. Paul tells us uh, one place in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. He says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and in honor giving preference to another. In honor, giving preference to another. In other words, I need to step down and I need to give preference to another. Paul writes that. So when we start out with that kind of a heart, you know what? We're going to be less likely to get into heated arguments. They may still happen, but again, with that idea of kindly affectionate to one another, dealing with each other in brotherly love, honoring and giving preference to the other, we're a lot less likely to get into them. Paul tells us, though, that we do need to strive 
But he says we need to strive at being like-minded. In Romans chapter 15, down in verse 5, Paul says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus. Do you think that Paul understood that within the church there is already built-in divisions and separations? He says in verse 6, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, our God and Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. He says a very similar thing in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. He says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But catch this. But in a lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Sounds very much like what he said earlier. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Do you think we'd have heated and traumatic conversations and arguments, if we really had that in mind, I believe it would lessen it greatly. Even the writer of Hebrews, some say Paul is the writer of Hebrews, but be that as it may, I believe that the writer of Hebrews was greatly influenced by Paul, if anything. The writer of Hebrews in 12, 14 says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And with that same kind of an idea, that same kind of a thought, Paul does write to us in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, when he says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, I love, personally, I love that part where he puts in there, if it's at all possible, okay? Uh, because I just know there's some people, they just don't want to live in peace. They just, seems like they walk around with a chip on their shoulder. It looks like they look for an argument any chance that they can. I understand that. But if at all possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And then his words to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, right at the beginning of chapter 4, he says, walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. You need to walk with lowliness. You need to walk with gentleness. You need to walk with long-suffering. You need to walk in a way bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, nowhere here is Paul talking about compromising the gospel. He doesn't say, well, if they don't agree with the gospel, then back off the gospel. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's speaking of is working toward peaceful resolutions whenever these conflicts start rising within the body of Christ. Paul also tells us that if we have major disputes within the body of Christ, we need to try and settle them, if at all possible, within the body of Christ, not to take it to the courts of the land. He tells the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, now therefore, it is already an utter failure for you to go to law. In other words, to go to the secular courts against one another. Why do you not rather just accept the wrong? Why do you not rather just let yourself be cheated? Wow, that's a hard word. 
Some of you have been cheated. Some of you have been wronged, and you know, man, that's a bitter pill to take. But I want to bring you back to someone who was wronged greatly as he hung on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And we're to have the mind of Christ. Does that mean have the mind of Christ except? It's a hard one to know. On and on we could go. And, and these are only the words of Paul. The other writers of the New Testament, they also speak the very same message. And I do believe all of it stems from the words of our Savior. Remember, and we've shared this over the last several weeks, the words that Jesus gave the disciples there in the upper room the night he was betrayed. There in John 13, verse 34, he tells these disciples, he says, you guys need to love one another. Now, you need to understand, there are zealots in there. I don't want to love those guys. Those guys are brawlers. They just want to fight every chance they get. And Matthew, man, before he became a disciple of Christ, he cheated me on my taxes, and I've got to love him. You got to be kidding me. And this big oaf, Peter, that's always stumbling around, putting his feet in his mouth. No, there's a lot of these guys I don't love. You know, there's a lot. We can come up with more excuses, can't we, of why we don't do what God has called us to do. Jesus told his disciples, love one another as I have loved you. You also should love one another. And then he says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Not because you won the debate, not because you outshouted an opponent. One other thing that came to my attention as I was looking at this during this week is it's absolutely amazing to me how many times the Apostle Paul uses that word, the Greek word irene, our word peace. All throughout his writings, number one, in every one of his letters to the churches, he writes grace and peace to you, grace and peace, every one of them. And then even the letters to Timothy and Titus, he says grace, mercy, and peace. Peace is always something, it seems, that's on Paul's mind. And not only in the salutations or the greetings, but also even through the letters. He's speaking of this idea of peace, to pursue, to live in peace. And he says that more in the book of Romans and Ephesians than in any of the others. Those two are two strongest declarations of Christian doctrine that we have within the New Testament. Again, peace. Also, he uses those phrases, be like-minded, be of the same mind. Those are continually woven throughout his writings. And it draws us really all the way back to the words of King David in Psalm 133. In Psalm 133, verse 1, King David declares, behold, how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I wonder if that verse ever came to the heart and mind of Paul and Barnabas during that discussion they were having about this next missionary journey. Personally, I wonder how much the regret of that sharp contention, that, that separation from his brother Barnabas, how much that continued to work on Paul's heart throughout his ministry. Well, guys, we know that we need to dwell together in unity, but how do we deal specifically with those times when conflict arises. 
Something comes into play, man. There's just seems like there's no bypass around this thing. This major mountain is right in front of us. There's going to be those times. How do we work through those things for the betterment of each other and for the betterment of Christ? One thing you can be sure of, it takes a holy dedication. It takes a loving persistence uh, to be able to work through that conflict, to be able to work through it in a positive way. But in the end of it, Really and truly, as Christian brothers and as Christian sisters, we can actually be the better for it if we are willing to work through those things. Now, in the next few moments, I just want to share with you a few quick ideas. And actually, I'm borrowing a lot from an article by a pastor. He writes about Christian conflict, and he draws our attention to Colossians chapter 3. And I want you to turn there if you've got your Bibles, Colossians chapter 3, because I believe that he's really speaking a very important point for us here. Who's writing Colossians, church? Paul, the apostle Paul. Colossians 3, down in verse 12. He says, therefore, since you are the elect of God, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, he said, you need to put on That means you need to take the aggressive end of this. That means that you need to take a purposeful move to put on. You need to do the work, take the time, the effort, the energy, the focus. You need to put on, and he lists these things. It's not like, well, Lord, if you want me to have tender mercies, just pour it on me, but I don't have tender mercies. Lord, you want me to have kindness. Well, I'm not a kind person. You know that, Lord. So if you want me to be kind, well, you need to do that too. No, what Paul is saying here is you need to make some choices. You need to make some determinations. You need to be, again, allowing the Lord to work in and through your life to remold, to refashion you. He says, put on tender mercies, put on kindness, put on humility as the elect of God, put on meekness and put on long suffering. You, as the elect of God, you need to be able to bear with one another. You need to be willing and able to forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also ought to do? What does it say, church? Must do. Must do. That's a command. Wow, even as Christ forgave me? What is he saying here? Uh, Tender mercy, in some versions, might have compassion. One of the first listed here. Compassion means to be deeply moved, deeply motivated by somebody else's condition or situation. In other words, I've got to move me out of the picture in order to be compassionate to another. I need to be quick to hear and slow to speak. It means to be willing to understand how they've been hurt even when you're the one that's done the hurting. And again, yeah, it's also especially difficult when both have felt that they've been wronged and there's this battle going on and you say, well, uh, not until you say you're sorry. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. I'm going to forget. That, that's a childhood thing, guys. That's grade school. And you as the elect of God need to be willing to stand. As a matter of fact, it's a sign of spiritual maturity to be the first one to lay aside your own feelings in order to be able to listen to someone else's. The second thing quickly is kindness. You need to have kindness. 
And again, kindness is compassion in action, that willingness to show through your actions that even in the midst of the conflict, you still love, you still care for that other person. There's got to be this kindness, man. You're not in this just to win the debate. No, you're in this to preserve the relationship of a brother and sister together. You got to be careful of body language. You ever get in those kind of discussions where somebody goes, whatever, whatever. Talk to the hand, you know. Brothers, when we're in these kinds of issues, man, that's off the table. Body language ought to be communicating that you really care for the individual. Yeah, you care for the situation, and I'm not lessening the situation, but you also have to have care for that other person. That means you need to guard your thoughts. That means you need to guard your words. That means you need to seek some way to communicate in a positive, constructive way rather than being drawn into these negative emotions. You can't be led by your hurt as easy as that is, as hard as that is actually to say, I'm not going to be led by my hurt. I want to communicate what's going on. You need to definitely confront the issues, but you need to remind yourself too that you are a sinner desperately in need of grace yourself. And even though you may be right in this situation, there's a whole lot that you're not right on. Amen? Some of you understood that, and some of you are still say, uh-uh. How did the Lord teach us to pray? Father, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Third thing, humility. Humility, again, it's not just a state of being. Humility is an active word. We need to die to our desire for personal gain to win the conflict. Instead, we need to come alive to that idea that we have an incredible opportunity to display Christ in the midst of conflicts. Quickly, number four, meekness or gentleness, some of your versions might say. Gentleness, again, an active word. None of these are passive words. All of these are active. A purposeful action means that, again, the conflict needs to be measured in a calm, caring an intentional way. Take a breath. Count to 10. Go in another room for a moment if you need to. You need to have a determination to win that brother or that sister back again, not simply win the argument. Make your point known. Make it clear to the other party. But again, it needs to be more a strategic release of pressure rather than this volcanic eruption. That's the meekness. That's the gentleness. Not all hurts need to be discussed. Some of the things you just need to bring to the Lord and let him deal with them. Taking the time to pray through the situation before dealing with the conflict, carefully formulating your words, maybe even taking the time to write them out so you can say, oh, I don't need to say that. And you draw a line through that and you come back and you think through the process again. Again, our intent ought to always be toward reconciliation. And then the fifth one, long-suffering or patience. Patience. Uh, don't you love that word? Hurry up, Lord. Give me patience now. We laugh about it, but really patience doesn't come easily for many of us. But you know what? It is a part of the fruit of the Spirit that we find in Galatians 5. 
The Holy Spirit abides in you, part of that fruit that ought to be demonstrated in each one of our lives is patience. Patience allows us to continue to work toward conflict resolution, to work toward reconciliation, even when it doesn't seem like it's going to come about. Man, I've been talking to him for years. I've been sharing with her for weeks and months, and nothing's happened. Patience. Let God work in their heart just as he's working in yours. And you got to realize that there's some people that will never change. They'll just never change. You might have a friend, you might have a loved one, you might have a spouse that sometimes says things without thinking them through. You might have somebody that you know, a brother or sister in Christ. They just don't communicate very well. Man, the wrong words come out all the time. Maybe you know somebody, that they just stink at details. You know, they never give all the details. Well, you need to realize that for some of those people, don't expect a dramatic change. That's just kind of the way they're going to be. And so that means that we need to understand them and we need to deal in the conflict in the midst of that. And again, another good word is being a loving, consistent voice is far greater than an occasional shrill voice, okay? Powerful directives. Going back to Colossians 3, And above all these things, put on love. That's verse 14. Verse 15, he says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Coming up with this attitude and walking through Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17, When you're in the middle of a conflict, guys, that's an almost impossible task. We need to determine ahead of time that that's the way our lives are going to be lived. That's going to be the demonstration of our lives, not just when the attacks come, but that just needs to be who we are. We need to be walking with tender mercies, with kindness, with humility, with meekness, with long sufferings. That's who we are in Christ as the elect in Christ, not just in the conflict, but in every area all the time in our lives. Whether you be training for sports or you're training for combat, one of the things that they do in training for sports as well as training in combat. You go through the drills over and over and over and over and over and over again. You do the drills, you do the drills, you do the drills, and you keep going until you're absolutely sick of them and you wonder, why do we need to keep doing this? In order that it might become what they call muscle memory, because it literally runs tracks in your brain so that in the heat and the emotion of the game, man, you don't lose the basics. You're working through the basics. You know them. In the heat and in the emotion and the intenseness of a battle, you don't lose track of what you need to be doing in order to be the good soldier. And in the same way, if we are living this now, It becomes, again, the nature of who we are in Christ so that when conflicts come, we already are practicing tender mercies. We are already living our lives with kindness, with humility, with meekness, and long-suffering. Yeah, I believe that it probably broke Paul's heart as he got older in ministry to realize that this one situation divided him and Barnabas. See it all throughout his writings, this peace, this tender heartedness, this kindness, being like-minded. Don't let a conflict of a moment impact you 
for your lifetime. Allow the Spirit of God to work and move within your heart and life. Now, in order that you might stand in the midst of the conflict with the mind and the heart of Christ, in order that Christ would be demonstrated in and through you. Thank you for joining us today on The Open Word. Acts is such an interesting book about the early church and how people engaged with their newfound faith and then spread that good news to their region and the entire world. If you're new to the Bible and are unsure what this newfound faith is, you can learn more about a man named Jesus who came to save you. He came as the Son of God to save you from your sins. These early disciples in the book of Acts were elated to share with everyone what Jesus had done for each of them. They wanted others to know that kind of love, too. If you want to understand this more fully, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we're here for you and we're praying for you. If you have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church and begin attending regularly. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and we meet every Saturday at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. You're welcome to join us for a time of worship and Bible study and a time to get to know other believers and find support. Find out more when you call us. Again, that number is 520-836-9676. You can also find out more about The Open Word and listen to additional messages by visiting theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Open Word. The Open Word.